doing good. Good morning, Elevation Church. I am glad you're here, and I'm glad that you're here this week as we continue a series that we kicked off last week. We started this brand new series called Storytime, and it's all about the stories that Jesus told during his three years of ministry. Jesus was a prolific storyteller. He used stories a lot in his ministry. And we talked last week a little bit about why I think Jesus used stories. I mean, because, I mean, let's just get right down to it. We all love a good story. We all love a good story, right? You like a good story. I like a good story. Little kids like good stories. Old people like good stories. Married people like good stories. Single people. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no race, no gender, no age, no nothing that keeps us from liking a good story. And I think there's a lot of things that make a story a good story. We've all heard bad stories, right? I mean, I have a nine-year-old daughter, my middle girl, Megan, not a world-class storyteller. Okay, I have hope for her. I really do, because I think she's going to be a great storyteller. The problem with Megan, Megan's got like this detailed mind. She recalls everything, and she thinks that they're all important facts in the telling of the story. And so when she tells you a story, you pack a lunch and you sit down because you're going to hear everything. All of the context, all of, I mean, what shirt you were wearing, how I just had my hair cut the day before. I mean, everything that she can recall will be in the story. Doesn't make a great story. She's nine. We give her some grace on that, right? But, but we've all heard bad stories, but we've all heard good stories. And the things that I think that make stories good, like a funny story. Anybody in here like a funny story? Funny stories are good stories, right? Most of us like funny stories. We like to be entertained. We like to laugh. Stories that make you think. I think those are good stories. Like, I don't want to have to think too hard sometimes. I mean, sometimes you like a, like a good movie, like a real suspense thriller that makes you think, and it always has more twists and turns than you can anticipate, and it never ends the way you thought, but you thought you knew how it was going to end the whole way. That's a pretty good story, right? Made you think a little. Jesus used a type of story that I think was a great story. It makes very interesting reading for me as I go through uh, the, the Gospels and read about him and, and what he was doing and how he was teaching and the stories he was telling. A type of story that he used that I think was a really good story was a parable. And I told you last week that a parable is an earthly story with a parallel heavenly meaning. In other words, it's a story that we could all relate to from things that we are around and, and familiar with, and it has an earthly meaning, but the earthly meaning is really not the meaning that the person who's telling the story is trying to convey. They have a, a higher purpose, a, a different meaning behind it. And so Jesus' parables were earthly stories. They had simple earthly meanings, but they also had a heavenly meaning, a heavenly purpose that was parallel with that earthly story. And so these parables that Jesus taught him, he used the parable, he used that type of story to do something very strategic. See, Jesus was trying to share the truth about who he is and what he does with all of these people, and he learned along the way, or he knew somehow because maybe he was God or something, that there were people who were there who were just kind of like I don't know, groupies. They were hanging out because it was the cool place to be. All the cool kids were there. You know, it was the like excitement and buzz was around Jesus. And, and, and so he's sharing the truth about himself. And there's people who have heard it, who haven't received it, but they're hanging around and acting like they're part of his movement. And so Jesus started teaching in parables to teach to those who were ready to receive what he had to say 
while hiding the truth from those who were kind of the hangers-on and the, the ones who just wanted to be there to be cool. Now, if you think about that, what I said, you might be a little, maybe even offended that, that I mean, Jesus, like, hid the truth. Why would he do that? That doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know. That doesn't sound like the Jesus I heard about. Why would, why would God hide the, the truth? Well, I may have chosen a wrong word. I don't know. I'm not sure Jesus particularly hid the truth. I don't think he was really hiding the truth from these people. He used the parable to tell the story so that those who were prepared to receive what he was saying could receive it, but those who weren't prepared really wouldn't get past the earthly meaning. See, the truth was there all along. What hid the truth from those people was the condition of their heart. It wasn't Jesus. He shared freely. It was the condition of their heart that, that blocked his message, his parable, that parallel meaning from breaking through and doing something different in their, in their heads and in their hearts. It, it, their hearts weren't prepared to receive what Jesus was saying. So he taught in these parables. And I remember last week at the end of his parable, he said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And we talked all about what that meant. Really, it's not about your ears. That, that was that condition of the heart. And so we know that Jesus was sharing his truth. We know that he wanted those who were prepared to be able to receive that truth. And we prayed last week that we would all have hearts that were cultivated and prepared, like a field gets prepared by a farmer to receive the seed so the seed can take root and grow and bear fruit. We prayed last week that all of us would find our hearts cultivated by God so that we could receive what God has to say. I've prayed that for each one of you all throughout this week, that God would be preparing and cultivating your hearts because he's not through teaching through parables here in this series. We've got a couple more weeks. We've got this week to go. And so this morning, I pray that your heart is prepared so that you can receive not what I have to say this morning. I pray that God would just take me out of this equation, that he would remove my words from this, and that it would be what he has to say to you that would find its way into your heart and take root. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. It's the same chapter and uh, book that we were in last week. If you don't have your Bible with you, we're going to have it right up here on the screen so you can follow along with us. But we're going to get right into Matthew chapter 13. Last week we talked about the parable of the soils or the parable of the good sower, or of the sower I mean. The parable of the sower or the parable of the, of the four soils. This week we're going to talk about the parable of the weeds. Who's got a really nice yard? Green grass. I know, I know Tanner's like the yard guy. In the, I mean, like he owns a landscaping company. Your guys encounter lawns all the time that are like immaculate golf course yards, and they encounter yards all the time that are like immaculate golf course yards with, boom, a big old sprig of weed in it, right? I hate weeds. I try to grow a nice lawn, but the weeds keep popping up. And we're going to find out what Jesus has to say about these stinking, dead gum, annoying weeds that are in our lives. Here it is, the parable of the weeds. Jesus is teaching, and, and this is the story that he tells in, in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And then the enemy went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? 
An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat that is with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Pretty simple story. Doesn't explain why I've got dollar wheat in my front yard. I'm pretty sure none of my enemies came and sowed that seed there. So maybe they're just there to annoy me. I don't know. But it does tell us a parallel meaning. What is the parallel meaning to this story, this earthly story that God has told us? If it's not about your, your Johnson grass or your dollar weed or whatever's growing in your yard, what's it about? Disciples had the same question. I mean, it's like the same thing that happened in the first parable he told them. They're sitting there, and I can imagine Peter's like, did y'all get that? John's over there like, no, man, I, I, I have no idea what he's talking about. And so I, I, I just imagine, and this is not in the scriptures, I'm making all this up, but I can, I can see it in my mind's eye. I can see the, the disciples are all kind of like, nobody wants to be the dumb one. And go, Jesus, what are you talking about? But somebody or some bodies finally did as they muttered and mumbled about themselves. What's he, what's he up to? And finally... It says that the disciples asked him to explain the parable of the weeds. And in verse 37, Jesus answers the question. And he explains to them what he's talking about with this farmer who planted the wheat and the enemy who came and sowed the weed seed among the field. And here's what Jesus said. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. That's another name for Jesus. It's a name that's mentioned throughout Scripture. The son of man, so he's the one who sowed the good seed. He says the field is the world, and the good, good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So the good seed would stand for people who have chosen to follow Christ, people who have believed that he is who he says he is, the one and only son of God, that he does what he says he will do, forgive you for, for your sins and, and save you from the punishment from those sins, and, and they've chosen to follow him and so that's the the good seed the weeds are the people of the evil one these would be the the folks that we talked about last week whose hearts are not prepared to receive that good seed they're they're hard-hearted they can't they can't nourish the good seed they can't deal with with what jesus's truth is what what the the truth of the gospel is and so they've they've actually They've, they've gotten in line with the enemy, and they've chosen to follow him instead. And so that's, that's what the bad seed, or the weed, stands for. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. That's who they've kind of aligned themselves with. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom Everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And he repeats that phrase, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has a cultivated heart, 
Let them receive what I'm saying, the seeds that I'm planting. Jesus, he's planting seeds in our hearts. He's planting seeds in our world. Some of us are ready to receive that seed. We're like the wheat. You all got a stalk of wheat as you came in here today. Did you get a stalk of wheat? If you didn't get a stalk of wheat, hold on. I got some wheat. I want you to know it is hard to find a farmer who will let you go into his field and cut his wheat, right? I mean, this was, I don't know how far Kathy had to drive. I bet Nick had to fire up the, pl- I mean, they had to do some work to find, no, I think they went to the craft store, but there's some wheat. We got some wheat, baby. Did y'all get a stalk of wheat? Jesus is planting seeds in our hearts, and, and some of this seed is coming up in our world as stalks of wheat. Now, if you think about wheat, we do a lot of stuff with wheat, right? Y'all, anybody eat bread this morning? Toast or bread or a muffin? Eat one of those? Wheat. Wheat was in it. Wheat's good. We like wheat. You plant one seed of wheat, you grow one stalk of wheat, and on the end of that stalk, you got, like, lots of seeds, right? Look at your stalk. There's a whole lot of seed of wheat there. And if, and if the, the wheat are the believers, then we talked last week about bearing fruit. This is what we should look like in our lives. We should then be reproducing after our own kind. We should be reproducing other believers in Christ, other followers of Jesus. That's the seed, the good seed that the, the wheat stalk grows. Other seed that is being sown in our world, being sown by the enemy, who is the devil or Satan or Lucifer or whatever you might know him by, the enemy, the bad guy, you know, the dude with the horns and the red tail and all that. He's sowing seed too. Interestingly, when his seed comes up, it looks an awful lot like a wheat seed, like a wheat plant. Y'all ever seen, wheat's nothing but grass. Did you know that? Wheat's grass. It's amazing. It's just grass. And there's a lot of other grasses that we call weeds that look just like wheat, but their seeds are not good to eat. They're not edible. They don't produce any good fruit. All they do is reproduce after their own kind. They produce more weeds which is why we pull our weeds and kill our weeds in our lawns, because we don't want more of them popping up. Well, if Christians reproduce after their own kind, planting the good seed and helping it grow and seeing more Christ followers, then the weed seed also produces after its own kind. And so throughout history, good seed and bad seed has been planted, has grown up, has borne fruit, and reproduced after itself. And Jesus says that the day is going to come. The day is going to come when the harvesters go into the field. And it's going to be like this parable when the servants go out and, and the master says, harvest the weeds first. Pluck those rascals up, tie them off, and then burn them. And then go and harvest the wheat and bring it into my barn. And when I think about it in the context of humanity, when I think about that and place myself and, and, and you, your, I see your faces and the faces of my family and my friends and my neighbors, people I work with, I see them as the wheat and the weeds. And if you think about the people that you are around all the time, the people that you love so much, your family, your children, your spouse, your co-workers, your boss, the person sitting next to you right now that you're not married to maybe, I don't know, somebody you didn't know until this morning. Do you want those people gathered up with the weeds 
Do you want to be one of those people that's gathered up with the weeds? Or do you want to be one of those that's harvested as the wheat and brought into the barn? Jesus says, this is how it's going to be at the end of the age. Have y'all heard that phrase before, at the end of the age? If you're not familiar with it, it's simply talking about something that, I don't know, we use a lot of different phrases to describe. Uh, Probably one of the most common is the end times, the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it, right? And, And there's a lot of buzz in the air these days for the last couple of years about the end of the world. Um, I think the Mayans decided that it's coming up in December of this year, and so like they forgot to make a calendar that went past December the 21st or something of 2012, and so we all think the world's going to end or something. They're making movies about it. They're telling stories about it. I guarantee you it's going to be like hot news here in the next couple of months, right? We're going to hear all this stuff about the end of the world. You ever preppers, you ever, any of y'all preppers, go ahead, identify yourselves so we know where to run when the end of the world comes, right? Like you're stocking up wheat and rice and flour and water and ammunition and guns and all the stuff you're going to need to survive the end of the world, right? Well, Jesus didn't talk about surviving the end of the world. He said you're either going to be wheat or you're going to be weeds. So if you're prepping, hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're going to take it with you wherever you go. I've never seen a, a, a 18-wheeler in a funeral procession, but maybe that's going to be how it works for you. I'm just saying, we're going to either be wheat or we're going to be weeds. We either are wheat or we are weeds. And at the end of the age, Jesus says there's going to be a harvest, and the wheat is going to be stored in the barn of the master, and the, and the weeds are going to be burned. And what he's talking about with this end of the age and this barn and this burning and all of that is really spelled out more clearly in Revelation. If you would turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, we're going to be reading just a few verses here. I think about four or five verses. Revelation chapter 20. It's going to be on the side screens. If you haven't found it in your Bible, go ahead and just look up. We're going to keep on rolling here. This is called the white throne judgment or the judgment of the dead. Now, this is Revelation. If you haven't ever gotten into Revelation, this is a, whoo, man, this is a book. This is the last book in the Bible, and Revelation is all about what's going to happen. Well, it's not all about, but it's really leaning into what's going to happen and covers what's going to happen at the end of the world because it really is going to end, whether it's on December the 21st this year or not. It really is going to end, and right here we find out what's going to happen to us at the end of the world. That's like one of the big questions in Christianity. That's one of the big questions in, in life in general. What's going to happen when my life is over? Well, this is beyond when your life ends because you're going to be a witness to the end of the world whether you're dead or alive when it ends. Hear that again. Whether you're dead or alive when the world ends, you're going to bear witness to it, and you're going to bear witness to it as described right here in the judgment of the dead or the white throne judgment. Here it is, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. So the dead have been, have been raised from the dead and they're now standing before this white throne. And there are some books that are opened. And then it says another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. 
Jesus taught during his ministry that you can tell what kind of tree you're looking at by the fruit that grows on it. You can tell what kind of plant that you're dealing with by the fruit that grows on it. We kind of laughed about this last week. I said, what kind of fruit grows on an apple tree? And you all said, apples. Can an orange grow on an apple tree? No. Ha ha. Great example, Mr. Pastor. Well, it is. And here's why. Because right here it says we're going to be judged according to the fruit of our lives. We're going to be judged according to what we have done. That's the fruit of our life. Verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, so the weeds were gathered up and burned. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. If your wheat, if your heart has been cultivated by the Holy Spirit, if you have heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, a message of salvation from sin, a message of grace, of mercy, of love, a message of reconciliation with God your Father and with mankind, if you've heard that, you had a cultivated heart, a heart that was prepared to receive that seed. If that seed was planted there, you received the seed, and the seed began to grow and is bearing fruit in your life, then your name is written in the book of life. And when you stand before this white throne judgment, and you're judged by the fruit of your life, yes, you have sinned, no, you will not have to face the consequences for that sin. You'll be judged on the fruit of Christ in you, Christ through you. If your heart is hard and you've heard that good news, that seed has been sown on you and your heart rejected it, it was not prepared and could not receive. The Holy Spirit had not entered, had not softened, had not tilled. No person had prepared you. And, and so the seed hits and you reject it. Then you're the weeds. And your name is not found in the book of life. And on this day that we're all going to be present for, You're going to be judged by your weed seed. Now look, man, this isn't, this isn't a fun message to preach. I'm not real excited about telling people that, you know, you're hellbound. I wish I could sugarcoat it. I'd love to soften it. I'd like to make it something that was more digestible. Maybe you wouldn't dislike me so much for saying it. But I've got to just tell you what the Bible says. That's what it says. You're either wheat or you're weeds. You're going to be judged on the fruit of your life. If Christ is in you, you will reproduce Christ-like fruit. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I probably left one or two out. I don't know. 
If you're not, the fruit you're producing is the fruit of the enemy, and you'll be judged for it, and that judgment is this second death, the lake of fire. It is torment. It is literally hell. That's the heavenly meaning of this earthly story. Simple story about two plants. A good plant that produces good fruit, that's useful and helpful in the world, and a bad plant that brings nothing good. Two kinds of people. People who receive the good seed, grow to maturity and produce that fruit. People who reject the good seed and by default are bad. They're the weeds. Two different ends stored in the barns of the master. That's heaven. That's heaven. That's a place where the Bible says the streets are made of gold where the foundations of the buildings are encrusted in jewels. Not because it's, it's valuable. It probably has no value in heaven. It's gorgeous, though. It's beautiful. This is a place where there's no, you know, it says here that, that the lake of fire, this is a place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In heaven, there's no pain. There's no crying. There's no hurting. In heaven, there's no regrets. In heaven, there's just worshiping God. It's being in His presence. You know, in heaven, there's not going to be lights. And there's never going to be night. Heaven's going to be lit 24-7, 365 by the presence of the Lord. That's the barn that we can be destined for. Or we can be destined for that lake of fire, that eternal torment called hell. I have a preference. I'm not sure about y'all. I've got a real strong preference. Like, I'm allergic to really high heat. I'm trying to make light of a pretty heavy subject here, right? I'm allergic to steel bars, too, just for the record, right? I mean, I don't want to go to jail. That might be closest thing to hell on earth that I can imagine. I'm allergic to tight spaces with steel bars, and I'm really allergic to really high heat. I don't, I don't want to end up like the weeds. I want to I be wheat. And I believe I am wheat. I know that I'm wheat because I know Christ is in me. And I know Christ is in me because I can tell you the moment and the day. I can tell you where I was when I invited him inside. I know the day when I realized I was living like a weed And I needed to change the fruit of my life. And the only way to change that fruit, the only way that you can change the fruit you produce is to change the kind of plant that you are. And the only way you can be born again as a different kind of plant is to be born again through Jesus. It's by inviting Him to come into your life, to come and take up residence in your heart. He can change the condition of your heart. And I'm not talking about the pump. Yeah, it's a cool little muscle. God built it. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's wonderful. I'm talking about the spirit heart. The Hebrew calls it the nephesh. 
that, that central thing that's in you, that is you, that's what's going to live eternally. That's where you need to have Christ. I know I'm wheat. If you're not sure today, or if you know you're not, this is your time. There is no time like the present. There is no better time than right now. So let's pray together. And let's see if we can produce some good seed, some good fruit today. Father God, I'm grateful for parables. I'm really grateful that Jesus explained them. I'm grateful today that we got the truth pretty much unvarnished. Not candy-coated, not made softer or prettier so that we could handle it better. Just stated simply, we're either weeds or we're wheat. Our heart is cultivated or it's hard. The fruit we produce is either godly or it's of the enemy. And we will dwell eternally either in heaven or in hell, filled with joy or torment. The beauty of this, Lord, is that you left it up to us. You created us in love, and because you love us and want us to love you, you gave us a choice in the matter. Father, there are some here this morning who are wrestling with whether or not they're wheat or weeds. They're trying to reconcile if they're Catholic or Baptist or non-denominational enough, if they've done enough good things, if they've not done too many bad things. Father, none of that matters. None of that is what makes us produce good seed. What makes us produce good seed, good fruit, is the relationship we have with you through your son, Jesus. If you're one this morning who's wrestling with that idea, who's not sure, or if you're real sure that you're not wheat, pray like this. God, I know that I'm, I'm messed up. I don't have it all figured out. And my way of living life is not producing the good fruit you desire. Jesus, I invite you into my heart today so that I can be born again, not as a weed, but as wheat, as a good plant, a follower of Jesus who can bear that spiritual fruit and reproduce after my own kind. Save me from my sins. I believe that you can do it because you are God's son. And I believe that you died for me and rose again so that I can live eternally in heaven with you. If you pray that and if you believe that to the best of your ability, 
then this morning you have changed. You've been reborn. A new creation has been made. And I would invite you to come and talk to myself or to Jim. Let us know that you've made that decision, that you've prayed that prayer and invited Jesus into your heart. And we can help you then cultivate that heart to produce the kind of fruit in your life that God desires for you. Father, we pray this morning that we would continue to be your church in all that we do, that we would worship you, that we would love you, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, and that we would continue to move united as your church to penetrate this community with the good news, the good seed of Jesus Christ. We pray this all in his name. Amen.